Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life admin. Yep, it even sounds boring. No wonder it goes on the long finger. But when you do get round to it, a good place to start is by reviewing your mortgage. You really never know if there's a better option unless you look into it. That's where the Ulster Bank Mortgage Team could help. Wherever you bank, get in touch and find out about switching your mortgage to us. Just search Ulster Bank Switch. Ulster Bank. Help for what matters. Over 18s only. Ulster Bank Ireland DAC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. You smell something? Put that Hello and welcome to the Mighty Motion Picture Rangers. I'm Shane. I'm Josh. I'm Chanstar. That was our wonderful intro music by Nathan Irwin. Uh, we are filmmakers, we're fans, and we're feeling a bit fervent about a certain paradoxical Par- movie, oh. aren't we? Clever, cl- 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 it's cl- not a paradox. That's not how paradoxes work. Uh, well, I really had the shoe on that title when he's like, like the news. And oh, and the it's news a Cloverfield f- paradox. Why did they just call it the Cloverfield particle? Oh, that well, it's called the God particle. Yeah, it? so yeah. just like, the Clo- like that would have been <laughs> yeah. just as relevant as the current title. Anyway, but before we go into that, we are talking about adaptations today in in a weird way. You say before we get into that, isn't the section what have you been watching? It's going to be first? the it is. The this is thing. true. This is true. I don't know what I'm saying. But Shane, what well, have you we, been watching? We do an intro about no. We do an intro about yeah, what Shane. we're talking about. We're talking about adaptations. So okay, <laughs> we're talking about adaptations. But before we do that, we ask, as always, the question, what have you been watching? And you just... Yeah, yeah I asked you first, Shane. Okay, yeah, okay. I'm a nice friend. Well, uh, I watched The Cloverfield Paradox, obviously, because you guys are like, you have to watch it, you have to watch yeah. it. I was putting off watching it. Do we want to get into that at the end? I'll like, list yeah, the other things. So. Okay, yeah. yeah we'll think, come back um, around. I saw The Shape of Water for the third oh, cool. time nice. on a huge 25-meter screen. They under-projected, so a lot of the, it lost a lot of detail in the blacks, which really annoyed the shit out of me because that cinema is normally very good. But um, it was great to see Big. Uh, I cried again. It's, it's so gorgeous. Um, I've been catching up on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is nice. always good. The current season's maybe not their strongest, but it's pretty reliable. Mm. Um, I finished uh, season two of Great News, which wrapped it up really well, actually. If they get cancelled, which is likely because their ratings are shit, um, you know, it's it's going to be a pretty good sign-off. Uh, Tracy Wigfield, the creator of the show, she stars in it. Not stars in it, she's like a tiny character. And she gave herself the last line of the episode. So, you know, I think I think maybe I, she... I knew. would do that as well. I would <laughs> definitely do that. Um, and then I've been catching up on Fresh Off the Boat, season four. Right, yeah. Which is a really yeah. great family Very show. Fun. Constance Wu is amazing. I can't wait. She's set to star in a movie called Crazy Rich Asians, directed by Justin <laughs> Lin. I'm like sold on the title and Constance Wu and then you had Justin Lin and then the rest and of the dubs, cast they've been booking. Dubs everywhere. Yeah, the, the rest of the cast they've been booking is really great. Um, and then I watched the Netflix movie When We First Met. Yes. 
Which was interesting. I mean... I saw Chance's conversation about that on Facebook. I'm just like, I'm going to avoid oh, that. Like, see, I, I, it's not bad. No, it's not bad at all. It's just when people say that it's a time loop movie, they're fucking wrong. It's not No, it, it's big, but just... Naked was a time loop. Yeah, Naked right. was a time loop. Yeah. Groundhog Day is a time loop. This isn't a time loop. This is more it like It uses the effect. same kind of element-ish. It just uses the same kind of... Um, it's like big... Yeah. But yeah. he gets but to do it like the... 50 times in the one movie yeah. as opposed to doing it once. Um, I think, I was saying this chance before, I think without Adam Devine it would have fallen to pieces. He's very, he's endearing. He's an endearing... He holds things together. Yeah. yeah. Um, the rest of the characters were kind of crap. And they had this really cool thing though is because every time he went back, however he treated the girl to try and get her on to be together with him, then when he went back into the present day it made him... The kind of person who, like, you know, if he treated her like shit, he turned into a douche with like douchey hair and. That's exactly and what yeah. the butterfly effect does. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what happens to the butterfly effect. No. Yes. Just, no, because the butterfly effect was a closed loop. Those time things existed the whole time, didn't they? No, because he would always go back. No, because it had repercussions. And then he'd yeah. come back. Because there was. But specific... he had those blank spots anyway. Because that's the end. Because no. when he spoils the He had them the from when he was a kid. When they he... established that that's at the very why beginning he read of the, movie. the diary. So he'd read the diary, go back in time, change it. And then he'd come back and have to deal with the consequences. And that's why he ended up going back in time and killing himself. In the womb. There was specifically a God, timeline I where I just remember he went that movie back. being so bad. Oh, it is. Because everyone said to watch it if I liked Donnie Darko. Try, no, try the sequels. Off. Try the sequels. Oh, yeah, the sequels. They're, they're, are, they're hilarious. They made that first one look amazing. Really? But, but, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the butterfly effect. There is specifically a timeline <laughs> where he acts a little douchey and then he goes forward through time and he's in college and he's a massive douchebag. And he had sex with Amy Smart, and she's like, "You'd never used those moves on me before." Is there any actor who hasn't had sex with Amy Smart on a film? Let's be honest. Mm. It's like the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, but a new version. Of it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's all. And other than the Cloverfield paradox, there, Josh, what have you been watching? Uh, I recently rewatched uh, the Lord of the Rings, the extended edition trilogy. Oh, nice. so, Did you watch it with Craig because I saw he had no. Whole... He he was watching the Hobbit what is everyone, in like cause... the normal theatrical oh, version. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah, I watched. For them, there was um, like three people yeah. I know who did like Lord of the Rings marathon. Why was, now? Was, like, uh, why? This, like, what's significant yeah, about this week? About February because it's, none of them came out in February. It was realistically, a, it's the first time I had the time, and <laughs> I was just like, well, it's the, a year I made. Like, I watch it yearly, so I might as well do it. And yeah, and with, this time though, I didn't watch it all in one go. Usually, I, I do, but um, it kind of expanded that across a week because I had to do meetings and stuff. But like, it was. Yeah, still good. Question, you know, do you yes. prefer extended or the extended. theatrical? Extended. Really? It's the only ones I watch. No, no, but do you prefer the extended or the theatrical? I prefer, I prefer them. The extended. Oh, the, the, really? The, this See, is interesting to get into about when we actually get on the adaptation mm. topic because I prefer the extended editions. I absolutely. But I think I, the the, uh, the original theatrical are better movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah don't they're get me wrong. Movies. I can feel they're like... movies, but I prefer they're, the extended. They're, they're better, like, but pace and everything, but... what do you but... get that you didn't get other than just some more world building? Some more world building. Some more... It's literally, literally that's actually but that doesn't, it. that doesn't make the experience and any that was my better. problem it with just... The Hobbit was that The Hobbit felt like extended editions and then they released extended editions. It was. It was extended by two whole movies. Because they took the as well. Yeah. It was extended by two whole movies. That's how extended that Because they crammed in all that extra content from Tolkien. It wasn't. It was so bad. 
Um, <laughs> we don't, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> okay, well, anything else? What else? Uh, no, just solid act works. But um, yeah, I just prefer them just because like, I like the world building and I just enjoy all little additions. Plus, some things are fleshed out a bit better. So. Yeah, no pom- Tom Bombadil, though. No Tom Bombadil. Well, they gave his lines to Treebeard. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so. Well, they gave his role to The Treebeard. only scene I liked from the extended ones is in the third one when Saruman, like, throws fireballs because I just love wizards having actual <laughs> magic right. and they never did at any other point and I was really depressed that they, they cut out the one scene where, like, someone can throw a fireball. And I just... can't remember if it's the second or third film, but I remember in the extended cut there's a scene where... Uh, Aragorn goes to drink what's her face's soup and it's disgusting. Oh yeah, because like, she, she's like, um, she's like, you're 80 years old, and he's like, yep. <laughs> yeah, and he's yeah, like drinking the soup. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. It's just a fun little scene. It's a fun uh, scene, and it's totally unnecessary, but it's fun. And I like getting seeing Saruman get stabbed in the back. Yeah, and it nice. fall yeah. off the well, that, that, That's yeah, the sequence that I really like because yeah. I just wanted more of the wizards. Mm. Um, what about you, Chancellor? What have you? Uh, so yeah. I've actually had a lot of free time on my hands. So I've been watching movies. It's great. Um, so this week I uh, I watch. I was kind of like going on a horror rampage. So I, uh, I need watched, to do one of them. So I watched The Void again. Because, That's what's uh, there. What do you think I, of it? It's I, I really enjoyed it. I it's it's not a great great movie. I love the ending. Very uh, Lovecraftian sort of. Uh, I just thought there's a point in the movie. It's yeah. about. 80% of the way in. It's when they cut to and she's got like the thing inside of her and all that. Yeah. I was just like, I feel like there was like 40 minutes of a movie that just went missing between this because it's like missing such reels. a huge jump in what's happened yeah. with absolutely no follow through. It's when they reveal the, you know, the twist of the who the bad guy is. I love yeah. the design of the world. I love the tone. I love the way mm. they shot it. I love the performances. I was just, it felt like the story was kind of like a couple of things mishmashed together without connective tissue being built yeah, there. Yeah, it was like a lot of good ideas just kind of strung together, which um, I, I enjoyed like everything visually about it. But yeah, agree with you on the story. Um, I watched uh, a Netflix, oh, well, it's a movie that's on Netflix called The Vault. Which I literally oh, James saw. Franker. James Franco's yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's in it. Oh, I, I literally <laughs> saw it because it's about some bank robbers who go to rob a You're bank, haunted. and the vault is haunted. haunted. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous setup, but it's, a, it's it was a generally good movie. Um, I saw. Well, I didn't see the exact ending coming, but I was like, "Oh, I know exactly this is going to happen," <laughs> and I was very close. Um, but yeah, it was good. Pretty scary. Uh, the reason the vault is haunted made sense as well. Was it actually scary though, or was it just there were about three scary moments? But I was also home alone uh, in the middle of the See, night. See, I so. found the void to be very uh, it's atmospheric. I love the atmosphere of the yep. void. I just didn't hate like what the plot, where the plot went to. Mm. Whereas a lot of horror movies now, I think they don't build atmosphere at all. The, the void is one of those classic movies where it focuses so much on atmosphere whereas i don't think the vault did that as much it kind of did when it was actually in the vault but otherwise not really it reminded me of event horizon in fact uh that really scared the shit out of me but i watched it on a plane and you got just this this sense of that you cannot get out of a plane when it's like (laughs) thirty five thousand feet in the sky man imagine how much scary and you're also like less oxygen so you're just a little more prone that's why people there's this whole thing about people who cry on planes when watching rom-coms yep and oh, wow. yeah, Tarantino bawled his eyes out at Ghost of the Girlfriend's Past. Um, <laughs> That's yeah, amazing. no, no, he, yeah. Uh, and I got really scared on Event Horizon because I was also, 
have that thing where you can kind of catch when it's a flash frame, I can kind of catch the full yep. detail of a flash frame when you do enough editing yeah. that you start to, and I was like seeing all the shit in like the other side for like in full vivid detail. And I was just like, Oh, imagine how much scarier that movie would have been if you were on a spaceship at the time. Oh my Damn. God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I watched cooties, which was, cooties. I've, I've, seen seen I wanna, I see. I've seen the trailer before. There, there was a great moment talking at Lord of the Rings where, uh, one of the characters call, um, uh, what's his name? What's Frodo's name? Elijah Wood. Elijah, Elijah Wood. He calls Elijah Wood a hobbit. Nah. And it's just like this <laughs> small, awkward little moment that was really fun. But there's just something satisfying about seeing a bunch of people killing children. It, it was it was great. I had a conversation recently about Elijah Wood and always like when he gets hurt, he's like dirt faces or he's like almost yeah. like orgasmic faces oh, yeah. when he gets hurt. Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> the one where Sheila stabs him yeah, and he's the, like, is the, the epitome <laughs> of yeah. Uh, you guys but, are making faces on a podcast right now. <laughs> I'm making a noise too, Just so, that's, so they that sells all it. know they looked <laughs> But great. all the audience are hearing is... Uh, 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 yeah. Exactly, three men, so, you know... <laughs> This is the Jack Off uh, con- uh, podcast where we all jerk off and you just guys just hear it. The mighty Fappen picture angel. <laughs> <laughs> I managed uh, we're, to film, the... we're, we're, we're fans, we're filmmakers, fans, and we're, we're fapping. Um, <laughs> As we talk. <laughs> and of course I watched the Cloverfield Paradox, so... So let's Yay. get into that for a little bit, for not too long, hopefully. Okay, but... I just want to start by saying that I like the idea of what Cloverfield was doing. Where, like the first movie, yeah, that's, that's fine. But the second one, it was literally just a spec script that they slapped a name on so it would sell. And that works. People went and saw it because of the Cloverfield. But it was also like, really well made. It was, Yeah, it was really well made. They got a good spec script, sold it, people went and saw it. It's giving these independent writers who have written original content a chance to make a we movie. We say that Damien Chazelle wrote the, the, the Bunker, was it? The one that he was, uh, I think, I don't think he was the first writer. He was the main rewrite on uh, on Ten Cloverfield oh, Lane yeah, I remember before that. it became a Cloverfield movie yeah. too. Yeah, so so it's giving people a great chance there, but you know sometimes they're not good movies, and sometimes mm-hmm. they go, hey, let's just randomly put in a whole bunch of Cloverfield links that make no so fucking sense, completely ruin the movie. Not completely ruin the movie. But see, it was to ruined me, because it's a shit to me, movie. the Cloverfield things are the least bothersome part of the movie. Oh yeah, I was I agree. just bothered by yeah. like like I. I they, I get why they're bad, but I also understood why they were in the movie. I didn't understand why literally everything else was in the movie for no reason. Because uh, they literally. Why was the monster at the end? Why was the last shot of the movie going to oh, look, link it vaguely to the original? But it's to a sequel thing, but see that like it's like something sequel, like. But- Something like, uh, you know, there's this, this random argument, the plot about, oh, the Russians are, are trying, they we're trying to make sure all the Russians are dead before we do anything, so we've been deliberately sabotaging this, like, sabotage plot. It goes nowhere. It's not well, a That's because the, the sabotage plot was on the other ship. Yeah. And it doesn't affect well, it on, the ship. Yeah, but it was, it was on sabotage both ships, stuff but, yeah. hinted at before they powered up and crossed over, because it was, like, the reason why the giant particle collider is clay that's why like the first scene in the ship is is an argument that comes out of absolute like they're having lunch and it's the lunch scene from alien clearly and then not done well and then then they they just just start arguing and they like you know daniel bull you know kind of bull bull, (laughs) uh, uh, he um chokes the guy up against the wall and there's this like it's like why is any of this happening we don't care about any um before we like can we back up a bit though i really liked how they released the movie though like that they're just like here's the trailer. The advertising the Super campaign Bowl. was yeah. genius because I saw it 
like 20 minutes later. Exactly, yeah. I was like, whoa, it's yeah. out now. Because like in. what I did with 10 Clover Lane was like they announced it two months beforehand and yeah. then with this, they're getting like, and then there's a joke that's like J.J. Abrams is going to drive and throw the DVD through your window for the next one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think... It's a cool advertising thing. It would have been great if they did it with any other movie. Yeah, if they did it with a good film. Oh, because what be so it showcases better. is that <laughs> the reason why they did it this way was because it was a bit of a turd and they didn't want critics to see it. Yeah, and it, and, they can like, hide behind Netflix. As yeah, now. they can hide yeah. behind the, oh, we're sudden dropping it as being a thing. And that annoys me because they they they've sort of haven't well advertised some of their other films that are much better. Yep. Things like Okja or Mudbound, yep. movies that really should be getting and they they but they're hardcore advertising totally. bright yeah. they're hardcore advertising the cloverfield paradox what they're still advertising worried? the cloverfield paradox i'm like why everyone oh, knows God. it exists what makes me worried about this move is that netflix may be becoming the next straight to dvd where they go, we got a shitty movie, just just put it on Netflix. Yeah, it's a difficult balance. It has because they have a lot of good content. They have a lot of good content. It has, but because Sundance just happened. Mm. And last year at Sundance, just last year, between Amazon, Hulu and Netflix, there was all these bidding wars over films. This year, all uh, so I think um, Hulu bought something, but Amazon and Netflix bought nothing this year. Right, okay. It is definitely changing and probably for the no, worse. None so. of the good, like, stuff apparently there was a lot of anyway. Yeah, but apparently there was nothing really good because a lot of it was what people had already bought. Like, so A24 bought this movie called um, Hereditary, which is supposed yeah. to be amazing. Yeah. I'm oh, yeah, dying yeah. to see it. Dying to see it too. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, apparently there wasn't anything good really at there. And so I don't blame them. You can't have every year be the best year for cinema. <laughs> and last year was a pretty good one to be. Yeah. Um, but back to Cloverfield, it was just like, it was just like, I don't understand how they fucked up so bad given just the breadth of talent. The movie was shot by Dan Mindell, who shot uh, Force Awakens. Force Awakens. Yeah. And yet this one looked like crap. It was such a visually indecisive movie. It didn't decide if it wanted to be like a Raimi-esque. It was a lot to do with the editing as well. Well, yeah, yeah. but like it was like a, I feel like the editor was just kind of like, I got, I've got these, how the fuck do I put this together? I've got to put in the subplot on Earth to tie yeah, it back well, there's in. Well, there's a subplot on Earth, but then there's whole sequences where it's just like a panning shot of the ship and they've clearly got a whole bunch of wild lines of people dumping exposition. So it's like, da-da-da-da-da, <laughs> as they're just panning across you. I'm like, they clearly did this after the fact because the story didn't make any sense. Um, but it looked like us. It was very visually indecisive. They didn't decide if they wanted to be like Dutch tilts and cool camera stuff or a handheld Paul Greengrassy yeah. thing or a classic wide-angle aliens kind of thing. They couldn't pick one. It was funny because at the very start, uh, I thought it was a really strong creative decision that everything on Earth was shot on spherical lenses and it was very obvious to me and everything on the ship was shot uh, anamorphic. And I was like, oh, cool. And it wasn't until about halfway through the movie I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> No, this was just all reshot because none of this is connected. None of this is useful. Yeah, because it's all... Um, yeah, this is just... This test is screening. Just, yeah. They're like, what happened on Earth? I'm like, why is what's happening? Why do they care about what's happening on The girl that the guy picks up. Yeah. And it, I mean, I was getting so many creepy vibes because you took her down to a bunker, said, I'm going to redress your wound. I didn't do it right the first time. I was just like, oh, this is mm. giving me creepy like vibes. Her name's Molly and that's the one that was kidnapped in the... Is it? Is oh. I can't, you know in Ten Cloverfield Lane, Molly is like the girl who went, who's dead, and there's a photo of her. That that fucking, was no, no, that can't be the case because that no. movie's based ten years later, and that kid would be fucking thirty. Well, that's what I thought. I thought because I thought that's how Molly got, alternate universes. I thought maybe that's alternate how Molly universes got, where the same person is like born ten years no, later. No, 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 no
maybe that's how Molly came out of the because <laughs> uh, she went missing from the bunker, didn't she? Or she quote unquote died according to to. Oh, so she John Goodman. So maybe she vanished from that the universe. Yeah, and, that universe. and that's how she wound up there. I don't know. I just the remember thinking, with that isn't, is isn't we that a name, Molly? Stretching at fucking straws to go. Oh, look, here's a there fucking already are. Link. Did you see that they're just like, oh, uh, the, the Clover Paradox and the original Clover line up together perfectly, and, and these beats. I'm just like, no, they don't no. at all. <laughs> no, it, it was it was it was just you had so much talent. You had Dan Mindel a cinematography. You had Colleen Atwood on costumes, and the costumes mm. were crap. I've, you know, having just, you know, watched some other movies beforehand with really great, clever costume design that's also very, something like Lady Bird where the costume design is very realistic and very subtle, but it's there. It was so the bare minimum of what it, you it was could do for space work. costumes and, and et cetera. I, like I was saying this chance, it felt like a guy who just watched, like literally just did a triple marathon of Interstellar, Alien and Event Horizon and then wrote his script that night in one night and then didn't change a word of it since then. Because he was like, you know what, I could do better. Nolan's overrated. You know, that's (laughs) that's the kind of person who wrote this script, it feels like. The only saving graces I think it had was I think Gugu Mbatha-Raw did really good considering she was given the worst possible (laughs) one-dimensional role Mm. for a lead. Yeah. And uh, Bear McCreary did a pretty good score. Uh, it didn't always fit, but I don't know that that's his fault. I think he was given a turd. Can you imagine being given the finished film and then having to score a turd like that? Like, yeah. you, like he did, considering what he got given, I think he did a really good job. <laughs> um, so that was the only saving graces to that movie. I didn't enjoy it one bit. I was, I'd went in because everyone, I was going to watch it the day it dropped and then I was like, I got really busy and then I heard just this wave of how bad it was. And so I thought my expectations had been lowered to like a place where I could watch it and I could say, oh, you know what, this didn't work but I like this and this and this and it was all good. No, no, it was so frustratingly bad in every conceivable way. I was just like, this is, is," it's a paradox how this movie is as bad (laughs) as it is. That's the paradox because the paradox in the movie doesn't make any sense. It, it, it contradicts itself every second. You can't say, no, it contradicts itself because it's a paradox. Go fuck yourself. The paradox is how did something like this get made with so much talent? You know what? I can accept that. I am okay with the title now. Oh. And they had like a $45, $50 million budget. So it wasn't like a, it wasn't like shoestring. Because I, I, know, I know 10 Cloverfield Lane was 19. 10 Cloverfield Lane was fuck all. You know, Shape of Water is nineteen point five. Like, so there, there's an easy way they could have made this number. so much like cheaper. There was, and, like, yeah. so much they could have made done the same movie for cheaper. They didn't need all these random big, huge CGI shots of a ship that. Uh, and the ship was like clearly like someone looked at Interstellar and was like, well, they, "I want to do a cool." The last two films, like aesthetically, have been about people on the ground, like just them, like one with a camera and one in the bunker. It's all about like claustrophobia in a sense and it's very small. It's, it's very and you could have done the same thing with on the ship. You like, could have said it entirely on the films. ship, never leave the earth. You know what would have been cool is if they'd like, whatever they did on the ship didn't really fuck up on the ship and it fucked up stuff on earth and so they had to try and fix it from the ship. And they had to keep and everything, you know, like you know, in um, that's what I the Rick and Morty episode, you know, like, the Rick and Morty episode where yeah. they David Cronenberg the universe, yeah. Yeah. something like that, where they keep that's fucking what I up thought the, world. the interview, like the issue was, but then they're like, no, no, we're just going to create alternate dimensions and it'll affect us, and then now there's suddenly monsters on Earth as well, and like, don't come back to Earth, but they, they did anyway, because they were already Rawr. on the escape. Roar! Ah, oh, fucking hell! How, how long did we talk about Cloverfield? We for? have talked about it now for two minutes. 
Oh, 20 minutes. 20 minutes? 20 minutes? Okay, let's move on. <laughs> let's then. move on. Okay, so adaptations. Because Cloverfield... You, you know, oh, okay, I've never <laughs> seen this level of rage from Chancellor since Alien Covenant. I just found that amusing. He actually jumped oh, out of his chair. There's more rage here than Alien Covenant. Yeah. Alien Covenant is a better movie than this. Oh, and I, no, yeah, I agree. I, said Alien I never thought I'd say that a sci-fi movie was <laughs> better... Uh, sorry, uh, Alien Covenant was better than any other sci-fi film, but it is. Uh, the only movie I can think of in recent memory that probably pissed me off more than The Cloverfield Paradox, and it's purely because of length. They're both equally terrible is Noah. Noah is, <laughs> no. Noah is awful but it's the Cloverfield Paradox is as awful as Noah but Cloverfield Paradox is shorter by about an hour so it's a oh, little more tolerable. <laughs> um, but anyway we're talking about adaptation so why adapt something? What can be adapted and what can't be adapted? Mm. Oh well <laughs> I, I always think like what? with adaptations are they trying to reach more of an audience because like you can have really well, good you have, books. You can already have audiences they already, that they yeah. bring to Well, I think screen. the cynical sort of idea of it is okay. that it's like it's all IP. It's about mm. brand recognition. More people will show up. There's a built-in audience that have, have bought their tickets the second you announce this movie being made. But the, there's also like sleeper stuff like Die Hard was technically based on a novel. Yeah. Uh, but it Arrival. was billed as an adaptation as opposed to something yeah. like Cloverfield, which is, you know, it was originally the god particle whatever yeah. and the script uh, by the way another side note on it the original script is terrible there are <laughs> character introductions that it's like such and such she's a woman she's an engineer and a woman usually but not always in that order it's like oh it's intolerably bad but um when when they're billed as an adaptation based on an exciting true story based on the New York Times bestselling because always the New York Times yeah. bestselling. Okay, isn't, sure. Is, is there any book that isn't on the New York Times bestselling list? I really want to know that because I feel like <laughs> every book has been on the New York Times bestselling list. Um, I'm trying to think. The Bible? The, no, Bible. That's, Bible's that's number like one. Number one. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, like, I mean, that's the cynical kind of view, but I think the artistic side of it would be kind of using an established story and then able to express it in a different form. You know, yeah. for, for writers, I think there's a lot of groundwork already laid out for you and so there's more room to be creative. I think, you know, for anyone who's written for the blank page, it's, it's, it's terrifying. It's not, it's not like liberating everyone. It's not like you have the freedom to do whatever you want. It's, oh, I have the freedom to do whatever I want. What the fuck do I do? <laughs> Whereas when you're adapting, you have the, you have the hard sloggy part of writing yeah. done for you in one way or another. You Sometimes have story, you'll have to you have like the beats already. Yeah. You have the themes and the ideas. And so you can, everything you do is automatically pointing or you can you know where you have to point it to as opposed to figuring out where you're pointing at and then pointing everything it's a, in that direction. It's a difficult balance because it's like you got to make a decision whether you want to make it your own or keep it faithful. So and yeah. like well that's like I always bring up Dirk Gently but the yes. two TV adaptations for Dirk Gently adapted the same source material in such unique different ways. So the original which was a TV series back in 2010 I want to say yep. Uh, it only had four episodes, the pilot and three episodes, and they went for a more realistic world, which wasn't really in Dark Gently, but the character was so... Totally I'm, Dark Gently. I'm Asshole. pretty sure he was even more of a scam artist in the TV show going back and think, thinking about it. I just sort of but, love where he convinces the doctor he fell off the roof and he's yeah. kind of like, he's like, Duff McDuff, why on the ground episode, here? This, this is the like, British one, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so he, they really set out to introduce these characters into a realistic world and each episode was literally based on like a random line from the book there's one joke in the book about how they invented a technology where you could put in 
any uh, you, you put in any event and anything on the other end. So say like you want to go to war with Norway. You go, all right, <laughs> that's that's my goal. And you go, and cheese sometimes smells. And that's your cause. And it will link the two in a realistic and understandable way. They, that was a joke in the first book. They made that an entire episode in this TV that's show. That's kind of cool. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's cool. Whereas when Max Landis did it, he kind of got this absurd idea of the world they lived in and made that, but he got the characters wrong. Uh, he got the mystery wrong in the second season. Could you get the world? At, but the is it one season? of those things where the source material is like if you did the world and the characters both that way, it wouldn't work? Well, that's what mm. people say. People say it's one of those uh, unadaptable books like Lord of the Rings or something because it's so quirky and weird. Well, they but say I think that, that Stanley Kubrick has a really great quote. He says, if it can be thought or written, it can be filmed. <laughs> and I buy that. I just think it's very hard. Some things are very hard and need mm. someone very, very good to do it. You know. Well, yeah. Well, as far as Dirk Gently goes, I'd say uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the movie, which I really enjoyed. I thought they set up that one brilliantly. Uh, the way they made the little Doug- uh, Douglas Adamsian jokes throughout in that third person sort of narration way—that is what sold it. And that was a movie that was written by the original writer. Douglas Adams originally wrote that movie script and then died. Wait for real. Yeah, yeah, oh. he was still alive then. He also cameoed in the movie three times: once as an ear, once as a nose, and once as another body part. I can't remember, but they just had like a three D printed version of his nose. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah. Oh you can God. watch that movie and go, "That's Douglas Adams' nose, just like six feet taller." So, like, so translating between mediums, how do you how do you guys think this works? Ah, oh, see, this is something I've never done, but I would love to do. Mm. I very vaguely tried. I've never done it from a full beginning to end. But I want to this year, I'm kind of going to crack down on my writing because I'm being really shit and slack <laughs> with it lately. But I kind of want to just go and adapt something for the sake of it, just to like something like a book I'd love so that hasn't been adapted and just do it and see if I can do it. Do it on spec. Yeah, It's, it's a spec, huge yeah. time commitment. Ooh, I've got a book for you thing. because there's a book I really want to see as a movie, but I can't write it because I suck. I'll give it to you. I'm, which one? Uh, it's called In Her Blood. I believe I told you about it. Oh, the- yeah, you, you sent me. Yeah, I'm, I'll check that one out. But I was thinking of doing um, uh, Mr. Monday oh, okay, by yeah. Garth No, that is what I would cool. do. And That's it's not, enough. that particular book is not so dense that you'd have to trim a lot. It'd be about just reshaping it enough so that the ideas go. Or Ice Station by Matthew Riley. I really yeah, want to have a crack yeah, at that. It'd be very hard to do because a lot of it's action, but you know, you just <laughs> copy paste because he's written the action out yeah, pretty he's well. He's written in the, the action book. already, just copy and paste. Chances um, are good, fucko. <laughs> hey, I've done two action films so far. Yeah. They go for um, about 15 minutes each. <laughs> but uh, so, so, like, what about you, Josh, translating between it? Well, how do you think it works? Uh, even just from how do I think it works? Uh, well, it's an interesting process because you got to like break it down on so many levels. Like, like if you think about a novel, it's just like kind of almost streamlining it in the sense or taking what works and what the beats, and then you can apply your own. It's say if the director's writing the script as well. It's like about if they want to have their own voice strongly in the film, or if they want to take a back seat and just put the original author's voice in it. Okay. Um, comic books, it's like you're a bit more. They're kind of like storyboards in a sense. So you can take those moments and then all those storylines and apply them to something bigger. Like Civil War is way different than the yeah, comic book version. An Age of Ultron. <laughs> Have yeah. you seen that little Yeah, the gift comics are actually where it's good. Just they're like, Ultron, how old are you? I'm not telling. And then it yeah. turns the title, well, Avengers Age of Ultron, funny, question like, mark. Age of Ultron, they literally just took the title because like the actual story came out like two years before the sequel 
of the Avengers came out, and they they were already obviously already right. And it was also an actual like long period of time, so like you could call it an age. Yeah, people it's died. Two it fucking a, days. It's like a weekend. The two fucking days. Yeah, the, the weekend, weekend of, of Ultron. The weekend of Ultron. Um, I kind of want to see that now. It's like Weekend, weekend of Ultron. Weekend of Bernie's, Weekend of Ultron. Like, and they've got the body. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that scene with like the, the corpsey looking Ultron. Yeah, the strings. It's all, oh, it's yeah, all yeah. ties together. There you go. Exactly. No strings. <laughs> um, for me, I think part of the thing that needs to happen is that the core of whatever medium you're writing it into needs to be acknowledged. So, for example, with cinema, it has to be cinema. You can't just have people, you can't just take the pages of the book and do them there and then point the camera at the thing. Like, it needs to be cinema. You well, need that's to be exactly right. You can't forego. And then TV, you need to acknowledge voice. that you're doing a more episodic. I think it's easy with TV books to TV because television is about the closest we have to literature as far as examining story in mm. a not necessarily a straightforward single sitting linear yeah. kind of thing. It's much more like chapters of a book. Yeah. Um, whereas opposed to, I guess, the the more episodic stuff is a little case of the week and so it's more like an anthology rather than a, kind of like um, like the Sherlock Holmes ones. I reckon, like yeah. That's why I think Sherlock has sort of lent itself to TV quite well mm. with the BBC series and Elementary. I think Elementary is a pretty good show. Yeah. Um, but that's what always, I think that's when a lot of the times it goes wrong is when people haven't, they've just taken it and done it beat for beat and then ignored the fact that this doesn't work in cinema. I think a really good example of it working is in Arrival. Yeah. So Eric Heiser, yeah. I don't know if you know the short story, no, I don't. but so the aliens never come down. They have these like mirrors and they just communicate through the mirrors. And the whole crux was, well, that doesn't work for a movie. You just people talking into mirrors is not very good cinema. It needs yeah. to be visual. You need to see the and sometimes that doesn't have to be a whole changing to all the aliens come down and visit, but that's what worked for Arrival, I think. Yeah, can you do you have an example of one that was made beat for beat exactly like the book and didn't work? Um, um. Yes, uh, I've got it. I wrote it down. You're jumping You're ahead of me. Down. You're jumping oh, ahead of yeah, me. Like, yeah, there's uh, something very obvious that I know. Yeah, was, so there's something like in like, the back of my head. Yeah, because like, uh, it, it's what the lovely with video bones. Games. The so, lovely bones was that really that exact to the book? Because yes, I thought like it is in, almost verbatim from oh. the book, and I quite liked the book. Um, I know Lynn. Oh, no, not Lynn Shelton. Uh, she's the director of. Uh, we need to talk about Kevin. Lynn Ramsey, um, mm. she was originally writing the script of that and she wasn't a fan of the second half of the book. She says that needed to change and then it turned out that Spielberg got involved with producing it and they really wanted a Spielbergian thing. They wanted to basically do the book 100% to screen. Yeah. And it obviously didn't – I mean I didn't like mind that movie but I, it's not one I visit very often it's, if at all. It doesn't really feel like Peter Jackson directed it. I keep no, no, and it's and that's because they stuck as true with the exception of the visuals of the of like the afterlife and there's trees growing and all this random pretty shit. Outside of that it's verbatim from the book and that's why I think it doesn't kind of work. Um, but what about like when movies translate to the same medium? So essentially like reboots or spec scripts. I was wondering if we were going to be talking about yeah, cause I was... Oh, because spec scripts because of Brian Duffel. Yeah, no, I gotcha. Wait, what? Uh, Oh, well, that's why you brought up spec strips because no, it came out also, I brought it because of Clover because we were, oh, that right, we were that, determined to make that, that thread whole between thing that we spoke about just before. That makes sense. We broke the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> I think. What about your guys' thoughts on that? Like reboots, kind of, because they're adaptations, aren't they? So I, Ghostbusters. I feel like reboots should be reserved for when the original doesn't really work. 
Yeah. Um, and then you can reboot it. Or if there's a, an appropriate way to have it set in like the time, say, say it was a movie in the 70s and you have a, an appropriate and like good reason for it to be a reboot and be set in the modern time or whatever yeah. and like uh, it works. Perfect example, Scarface. Uh, the original Scarf- Scarface, yeah. Yeah, original Scarf- Howard Hawks Scarface, and yeah. then two. Yeah. It was all the- about alcohol during the uh, time of prohibition, <laughs> and like now they are. And Brian De Palma made the one about It's funny that the cocaine Miami. one is now so much more iconic. It is. Yeah. Like, people, people forget it's a remake. Every, yeah, everyone forgets the remake. I think. Um, I think it needs to offer something new. Yeah. 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 Um, one where I think they did a good job, but I don't think it connected with the audience really well. Was the Carrie remake? Yeah. Um, because they were a little closer to the book in a lot mm. of ways. That was not believable because it's Chloe Grace Moretz. You don't think she would be bullied. Yeah, yeah I thought like, that was not, yeah, she, How is Chloe Moretz being yeah. bullied for being quote-unquote ugly? Uh, uh, my main problem with uh, the Carrie remake was that it did nothing different. We live in a very different world to what I we did back like then. When, and they were pretty much just like, no, they got mobile I think it's the now. same with all like the Michael Bay produced like horror movies, like Friday the First Thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just like... Yeah. I think for, it was funny because when I was in high school and I just read Carrie and I was like, really cool and I watched the movie and I was a little disappointed with the, the 70s movie with Sissy yeah. Spacek. I was a little disappointed because it didn't, I don't know, it didn't capture anything. I'm like, you could totally remake it now and use the whole cell phones thing and incorporate that. And then I watched the remake and they just did it for the onesie, the plug it up scene. Yeah. And then it didn't come back. And I was kind of like, I feel like there was a missed opportunity there. Huge missed opportunity. But there was a lot of other stuff that was, I think, good about that movie. I reckon mm. when they played the first trailer and they had like the, the newsreel voiceover and that over just the panning shot up to the burning prom building, I thought they were going to go for because the have you read the novel either of you? No, no, I haven't. So the novel's told in like past, like people accounting what happened in the past, like news yeah. investigation kind of stuff and articles and paper stuff, and then a couple of chapters following Carrie's life. And I thought it would be really cool if they did it like that. That would have both been true to the novel, yeah. but you could have found a way to make it visual in this day and age as opposed to in the 70s. Like famously, like sticking to Stephen King, like The Shining, like Stephen King hated that because oh, it's, hated t- it. it's totally different and, and to what he's he, normal. And uh, commissioned them to remake yeah, The Shining. In that, like, 19- was it a TV yeah, it was movie? 1990, yeah, it was a TV movie. Like, and it is god awful. But it's apparently very accurate to the book. Yeah. Is it? Well, you know what's also really accurate to the book that like super sucks? The Howling 4. Uh, either of you seen The Howling? Is there a Howling 4 book? No. Okay, so when? The Howling, the first Howling, is roughly based on the book. It's its own story and it is a great fucking movie. Howling it's 2, on the pile. I literally have the DVD on. Yeah. Oh, good. So there's uh, three Howling books. Howling 2 was written by the guy who wrote the books. It's called, it's got a bunch of different names. It's called Howling 2. Uh, uh, Sherba the she bitch, uh, Howling to <laughs> Sherba the she bitch, yep. uh, Howling to your sister's a werewolf. How there's a whole bunch of really ridiculous titles, but it was written by the guy who wrote the novels. Has absolutely nothing to do with the novels, and it's it is a legitimate sequel, quote unquote, to the first one. I think there's also vampires, and it can't really remember. Howling three is the marsupials, as we yep. all know and love. It's based in Australia. They're marsupial <laughs> werewolves. The fourth one is called The Original Nightmare and it's a remake of the first movie but it's much closer to the book and it's at that point that you realise how bad that first book is because it is boring. It is just bland as fuck 
Uh, and one of the, one of the worst things is the fact that you're four movies in. You've called yourself the Howling Four. The reason the Howling works is spoiler alert: they're werewolves. But it's called the Howling because you don't know they're werewolves the entire time. But they what? Isn't it? Isn't that Howling is werewolves? Yeah. yeah. Spoiler alert, man. <laughs> you don't know that in the first uh, book, in the first novel. They don't play it up. In, in the it, movies, so In the first movie, it isn't. It is werewolves what? in the end, but, but you I'm don't spoiling know. the movie for you, man. You okay. don't know but for I sure. I got told f- like from the get-go that The Howling is a werewolf movie. I and just, they, I they just always said, watch it alongside American It's American werewolf, werewolf in London. And they're they're kind of like on yeah. par with yeah. one another. But, but it plays up the mystery a lot more. Okay. Howling 4 tries to do that, but it's the fourth movie in. At this point, you know they're werewolves. It's really obvious they're werewolves. It's really fucking boring, really fucking bad. And one of the most iconic things in the end of that first movie isn't in the book at all. It's an original concept, which is the fact that she turns into a werewolf at the end on live television. And everyone's like, holy shit. Spoiler. That's a spoiler (laughs) alert. It's a 30-year-old movie. Get on it, man. The the fourth movie doesn't have any of that. They burn down the house. uh, His friends are all a part of his beautiful mind. Yes. (laughs) Spoilers, man. Jesus. (laughs) But yeah, the Howling Four is one where they went verbatim well practically verbatim from the book and it is terrible but they still made four more movies so that's okay that's a that's a good study though if you examine like oh this is the original which is the original which is based on the book is so much better and different but then they tried it again with the book and i think readapting yeah, books good, is an interesting they did it really well with true grit yeah, i oh, think yeah. especially because the, the first movie isn't that accurate to the book and the second yeah. one is and the second one's an infinitely better movie i think it's bad it's probably like sacrilege to say john wayne <laughs> is bad but i'm sure he was a racist um, <laughs> they all were wasn't it john ford like a racist or something like yeah, that we, yeah they, 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 i mean they lived john through wayne. the sequ- john john ford and john wayne lived through like the 1910s well, can we of talk course about, they were racist uh linking to westerns again like uh the Magnific- magnificent seven based on seven samurai yeah. and all that it's just like that's an yeah, interesting that's, that's like interesting. transnational ad- adaptation like stuff yeah. like I want to see them remake the. Uh, I heard a version. There's a Japanese Seven version Samurai. of Ghost with the the pot making and everything. You're <laughs> yes. not even kidding. I need to see I gotta this. See this because I always but, bring it up because yes, people I talk about like, when like a movie's adapted and set in America and they're like it's whitewashing. I'm like, well, ish. But they're only whitewashing in the sense that they're setting a movie in America and then using all white people. Yeah, setting in America isn't in itself whitewashing because there are adaptations done of all different stories. Like Bollywood adapts you know, Asian movies, Asian movies adapt Bollywood and UK and Australia. Everything gets adapted everywhere. So translating it, setting it in a different place isn't whitewashing to me. Whitewashing is when you're deliberately making an all white cast. And and I think when they do adapt it into another country, they really should uh, have a reason for it or make the fact that it's a different country somehow impact the story because otherwise... But then doesn't it only impact the story... If they know the source material, should, the movie should be able to exist uh, without the Did you watch Old Boy? I have not watched Old Boy. Okay. Not the original. I'm gonna, no, the this isn't yeah. a big spoiler, but there's the very iconic hammer scene yep. where they go through, he's like beating shit up. That's because, uh, what country is Old Boy from again? Korea. I wanted to yeah, say Korea, Korea, but I didn't want to sound like racist. Hopefully you're all wrong and you all sound racist now. But yeah, in Korea, they don't have, they don't have guns. So they use what's there. So they use the hammer for the fight scene which is why that makes sense. In the American one, why the fuck don't any of these guys have a gun? Well, he's just got a hammer and he's going to beat the shit out of you and then they all get beat the shit. Like, literally, make that scene like a 
gunfight or something because there is no fucking (laughs) reason that all of these people don't just shoot him. He's just got a hammer. He's not that bad. Chancer, do you want to remake this that scene and we just do it for fun? Then he just shoots yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the shoot Indiana him. Jones thing was like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Perfect. I think I think that's the thing is though, like adapt, like the challenges of adaptations is mm. that like adapting something that is already good yeah. is really hard to do and to do well. And I think they, there's sort of two problems. You either you have you're either too in love with the source material. Yeah, and you treat it with too much reverence, mm. or you don't care about it at all, and both of those things make for bad adaptations. I was yeah. listening to this Neil Gaiman interview, and he was talking about how I don't think it was um, uh, Coraline. No, it was Coraline. I think like the first draft of Coraline, and he got handed the script by the guy who was writing it, and he turned it around. And he said, "You've just done the book. That that's not that doesn't make it a movie. Like, do you know? You don't have to." be that faithful to it because I understand the book is the book and the movie is a movie. And he's like one of those authors that really is quite liberal with how what he lets other people do. Yeah. That being said, I think, you know, American Gods is one of the most faithful book adaptations, but it it makes it purely fit the medium that it's in. Cool. At least season one, they've kicked off poor, uh, what's his face? The showrunner, Brian. Uh, um, Brian Fuller. Brian, Brian Fuller is being yeah. kicked off. For budget reasons, again, oh, he 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 left Star Trek, but his name's still in Star Trek. Is yeah, but apparently it? it was it was he wanted his version of. I, I thought it was amicable, and he did it to focus on American Gods. Turns out, no. Okay, uh, he wanted the Star Trek reboot to be an anthology. Each series just focused on a different thing, Ooh. completely different story, oh, cool. and and then he settled with making the first season um, relate to. The, the main Star Trek that we all know. Yeah. And he wanted a bit more of a traditional look and the studio wanted the, the edgy, the flashy, flashy uh, yeah. new-looking <laughs> the, uniform. The Star Trek the lens flare thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so there was enough arguments there that he left. That's right. Um, I reckon that's really cool because did I ever tell you about my, <laughs> my uh, Star Trek web series I wanted to do where it was essentially the office in space where it was this captain who's in like in charge of like a really oh low down ship. It, he was, he was so like, fun. That's he's like, like a garbage man essentially. Oh, probably. I haven't seen Orville. It's no, I think the Orville is still more like sitcom-y. Like, okay. It's not but, like but yeah, style. pretty much. It, 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 it's, it's pretty much Michael Scott from The Office or uh, <laughs> uh, what's the name? Brent? David Brent. D- David Brent yeah. from The Office as a Starship cap, Starfleet captain. It's kind of funny. And it's him trying to be cool and he ends up creating this whole Klingon war because he doesn't know what he's doing and ends up fucking up the whole universe. That's hilarious. Or just right, like, just right. like yeah, Yes, I will. Like a Ron Swanson as a Star Trek guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when adaptations go wrong, I mean, we've kind of touched on this because Chance yep. made me skip ahead. Sorry. But I think... Uh, <laughs> uh, Age of Ultron is a per- perfect example of that. Uh, but none of their movies... Age of Ultron is just a... I think, at all. But the thing is, is that all of the Marvel movies are about that thinly related to the oh, source material. No, 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 but I mean the fact that the characters and that and the reason for the characters and the themes that Age of Ultron explores completely thrown out the window to make an Avengers 2 just because uh, I think Robert Downey Jr. wanted to make Ultron. Because uh, oh. when, when, he, when he made that big contract where everyone's like, no, you got a million dollars for everybody, it's all good. Uh, that contract also made 
him decide what the next story was going to be, which is why it was Age of Ultron, which is why instead of Hank Pym creating Age of Ultron, it was Tony Stark. What a dick. I think that's that's a lot of the problem is when they throw out things that they think aren't relevant to the source material Mm. and maintain the things that aren't, that are like window dressing. I think a really good example of this is um, The Golden Compass, Yep. Have either of you guys seen the movie? I haven't no. seen it. Um, you haven't I've, seen the movie I've, I've, I've and heard, you have you read the book? No. Oh, God. I just heard vaguely about... I'm talking yeah. into the abyss. To any of our listeners who have seen The Golden Compass and read the well, book... Also, Shane, just articulate your thoughts. It takes... Well, what it does is it thinks the cool <laughs> thing is this world and there's like... Everyone has an animal spirit and there's a polar bear that talks and they think that's what's cool, whereas what was cool about the book was all these like philosophical and religious allegory things okay. that went yeah. into it and that's all gone. It's all gone for basically trying to do another because they did it as their follow-up to Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And they're going to make the, It was their next... link to Narnia. So it's like, yeah. like we've got to make the next. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Narnia. Um, My Sister's Keeper is another one that did terrible by the source material. Mm. Have either of you guys seen and or read it? No. I'm going to spoil it for you. So, because right, you know, you know, you know, the, the premise <laughs> of it is, is that there's a girl who was born to basically be a donor to her leukemia riddled sister. And she then sues her parents for emancipation, for medical emancipation, so that she no longer does, she no longer um, uh, has to give platelets and all that to her dying right. sister to keep her alive. And it causes this big rift in the family. It's like a family drama. Um, and in the book, what happens is. It turns out that I think they kept this. That it turns out that the one who actually made the girl try to get emancipated was the dying sister. She wanted to die. She didn't want to keep going through this. She made the sister do that and not tell anyone. They kept that. But then what happens at the end of the book is there is a car accident and the main girl dies and she donates the thing to the dying sister that actually like cures her properly oh. because it was like you'd have to like I mean it's already an ethical weird situation but they could have done it before by just killing the daughter and straight up taking the stuff and so and there was this whole thing because the movie's called my sister's keeper it's like the whole theme of it was written into that in the movie the leukemia girl dies and there's this weird monologue about how i was my sister's keeper the end and it doesn't (laughs) like the entire point of the book is gone for the set dressing of the the legal story which is the least important part of the book it Uh, was it was it was such a bizarre choice i don't know why they did it because it's the source material and it meant something to the source material it wasn't like you're changing the race so you're changing you're not changing the set dressing you're changing the core theme of the thing yeah uh Um, i am legend is one that oh yeah that would because you haven't read the book yet i Tried reading it a very long it's, time it's, ago. It's vampires, right? It's actually like, oh, they don't like. Don't get me fucking started on the monsters. It's yeah. vampires. They, they are vampires. They yeah. are definitively vampires. Yeah. The whole book goes into this whole scientific process about why they're vampires, how vampires exist. Robert Neville isn't a fucking uh, scientist at all. He's literally no, no, just the only this, guy this is, alive. We are his story, and this is his legend. Oh, fucking up. The that reason who, it's, it's called, called I Am, am legend, legend is completely wrong in both versions of the story. Because... Uh, no, in like, cause in it's the, been adapted like five times. No, no, I, I just mean in the new movie. Uh, oh, okay. I, uh, what was the other one? Cause the I Omega seen, Man. I've seen the Omega, the Omega Man. man. Yeah. I haven't seen The Last, Last Man on, on Earth. Earth. Um, but not the TV show, the two and what? No, so yeah, no, not the TV show. show. No, I mean the Vincent it's called the Price Last Man one. on Earth, and he's, I mean, very much not the Last Man on Earth. Well, in, in the Vincent Price one, no, no, no. In in oh, the, in the Rock TV Will show, Forty the TV show, where... the whole concept is he's the Last Man on Earth, except there's sure is a fuck ton of people for him to be the Last Man on Earth. <laughs> 
Well, Vincent Price is the last man on Earth. That, that, apparently, the Vincent Price one, The Last Man on Earth, is the best adaptation. Haven't seen it. I saw Omega Man. I didn't hate it, but it wasn't that good, especially as far as an adaptation goes. That was very much, this is the story of I Am Legend, but we didn't get the point. Whereas the I Am Legend movie is this is roughly the idea but we definitely didn't get the point even when we killed him in the original ending and oh wait no he they killed him in the new ending but he survived in the original i can't remember which one they both sucked because (laughs) the reason the whole fucking reason he is legend is because he was the last man on earth vampires have now taken over the world and he would go out he's now the vampire yeah he's going out in the middle of the day killing all of them and then when he's going put on trial right before he goes to uh, they go to kill him publicly he looks at them sees them looking at his uh, at him terrified and he's like oh wait i'm now the monster i am the legend i'm the i'm the outlier yeah i am legend and then he kills yeah. himself before they get to do a public execution. Uh, the movie doesn't get the. It was so, point. and it was weird, oh. bald CGI means. But anyway, um, like another really terrible thing is when they adapted Lethal Weapon, Rush Hour, and Minority Report into TV series Ooh, from the movies because they literally turn all of them into case of the week. Well, Minority things. Report was like a completely different type of story, right? No. Oh what? No, they literally the con. It's a canon they, they continuity the to the movie. That, then, yeah. It's it's now the precogs are left out and then they're just like and it's, they the keep week. saying yeah it's case of the week they see something and they have to solve it in a future and it was so bad. Um, I have to ask before we sort of move to this is the last part of our topic. The Cat in the Hat. What is your guys' thoughts on that movie? Because <laughs> it has universally hated, but I love. Yeah, I love the movie. I love it's the so movie. Fun. Right? It is ridiculous fun because there is no just, way that it's book. just Mike like Mike Myers going to town, just yeah. like having a fun. But even like ball. you know, like they've got the the OCD guy played by Sean Hayes. He's like one, two, yeah. three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine, with like the hand wash. <laughs> It's like I disgusting, love Alec Baldwin. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I and because there's no way that that source material makes a movie. No, it not at all. Does not in the least. I, I can't see how they could make a movie based on the, the Cat in the Hat any other way. That, that's one. That's actually one of my favorite adaptations because it's taking the ideas and being like, all right, let's just put our own voice to it, and then that was yeah. perfect. Yeah. It Except everyone hates it. Like, everyone loathes that movie so it's much. It's a meme it's, now. Yeah, I'm very much on the back foot of defending that movie. Uh, um, and we, we can't obviously talk about adaptations without bringing up the movie Adaptation. Like, <laughs> Charlie Kaufman <laughs> yeah. and yeah, Spike Jones. Uh, you guys have both seen it? Yeah. No, I haven't. I haven't seen you it, haven't? Like, no. Do you know the backstory behind it? Vague. Oh my god. So I haven't seen it in ten years. Am I remembering correctly in the sense that Nicolas Cage plays Charlie Kaufman, right? And Charlie Kaufman's twin Andy yeah, Kaufman. Yeah, yeah. No, isn't it no, Andy Larry Kaufman? Uh, but okay, so he, but the Andy Kaufman is the other name <laughs> Charlie Kaufman. Yes, because I know it's based on the story. Before so what him, happened was Charlie it. Kaufman, after the, the runaway success of being John Malkovich, everyone was like, "Oh, he's the guy to go to to do weird movies." And so they bought this book that was a New York Times bestseller called "The Orchid Thief" by Susan Orlean about finding rare orchids, and it's a really dull factual book. It's like a very normal factual book, and he went to try and do it. And he struggled and he struggled and he struggled. And so he ended up coming back to them with a screenplay about him getting the, the assignment to adapt The Orchid Thief. 
and turned it into a movie and then and then the movie is about him turning into a movie and then he invented a fictional twin who in real life was like the fictional twin was nominated for the Oscar for adapting the book. (laughs) And it is such a mindfuck of a movie when you know that the story behind it is sort of what it is. It's such a good movie. I think it's one of Meryl Streep's best works as well, which is, you know, she's done a lot of good stuff, but she was nominated. Her and Chris Cooper were both nominated for Oscars. I think Chris Cooper won. Uh, it's great. It's such a good movie, it's and it's so, so and then that's like it. when the adaptation has gone in a completely different direction. <laughs> and there's a couple of things like that, like um, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, it's a really good mm. example of an adaptation that comes from a really weird source material. Yeah. Uh, you know the whole backstory behind that, right? Ish. Secret of Monkey Island. No, video game Secret of Monkey Island. Uh, these guys were hired to write a movie. They wrote the movie. It didn't really work. Things were going wrong and they ended up adapting that into Pirates of the Caribbean by Disney. You go through and watch, if you've played Secret of Monkey Island, you can go through mm-hmm. and watch all the Pirates of the Caribbean and there are all these little nuggets from Secret Monkey of Secret Island. The whole uh, uh, ship city where it's like made of a bunch of ships, that's from Monkey Island. Uh, the main character who's like this, uh, he even looks like Guybrush Threepwood, uh, Elijah would fucking help the other eyebrush threepwood guybrush threepwood that's his name orlando bloom's character yeah, yeah orlando yeah, bloom's yeah. character looks like guybrush threepwood uh. the whole movie is so obviously meant to be a secret of monkey island movie but it just didn't pan out that way uh, so it's not only just an adaptation of a uh, ride it's also kind of an adaptation of a video game you've also got like steve jobs which is based on like a really dull autobiography that's now like this weird virtuoso three-act theatre-esque thing. World War Z is another one. Fuck that movie. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's a bad movie, but it's very interesting that the source material is nothing like the movie. And then the movie was a runaway hit. You know, let's see what the sequel's like. Just realize this Fincher. is Chance's Rage episode. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> um, There Will Be Blood's interesting too because it's literally like a chapter from a book about the history of oil in America and he turned it into like a three-hour movie. Wow, I did not uh, know that. Yeah, impressive. so the book's called Oil! Exclamation point, and he took like one part of that book and turned it into There Will okay, Be Blood because right. he read it as like an airport book and he just <laughs> loved it. Like while he was like for slight fight, flight... What do you call it? Uh, uh, when you go different time zones and you can't sleep. Jet lagged. Jet lagged. It was jet lagged yeah. and reading it while jet lagged and it gave him inspiration for a movie. Um, Kingsman 2 is very interesting because the comics and the movie are nothing alike. Yeah. No, well, no. well the, the first movie is kind of vaguely similar to the first. Uh, they thing, but there they drew one. Mark Hamill's character to look like Mark Hamill in the comic. Oh, and they're like, yeah. Ma- Mark Hamill is Mark Hamill in the comic. Is he? Okay. Yeah, okay. in the comic, it actually was Mark Hamill because because the the guy that uh, that makes Samuel sense because the celebrities yeah. was a massive nerd and he wanted to like save all the Star Wars cast. Oh my! And god. And then he ends up dying at the very start as well. Um, <laughs> so, are there things you think are dying for an adaptation but haven't been adapted? Skullduggery yet? Pleasant. Skullduggery motherfucking. Skullduggery Pleasant is on my list as yeah. well. <laughs> uh, I think all of Matthew Riley's stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Just has to be made because it's so cinematic inherently. Mm. Um, I love Zatanna. As far as superhero go, I want to see a Zatanna movie. I really want to see a Zatanna movie. I want to do it myself, but no one will. I want Justice to see Sleek Dark. Is that happening yet? I don't care. Uh, they've the look, director dropped out, so look. it's probably going to be in Del Velm and Hell. 
<laughs> if anything else. A good Green Lantern maybe would be nice. A good Green <laughs> But is the Green... I don't find the Green Lantern particularly interesting as a character. I'm just like... Eh, well, which one? Because there's like... You will them into... Like the, the concept of you have a ring and you will things into being. Ah, like, that well, to me like is weird. There's like the Red Lanterns though. There's like different spectrums of colours that you can explore. Like there's like... It's like the, red kryptonite and black kryptonite. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's stupid. That's yeah. small. Yeah, that's, that's a different one. <laughs> um... Uh, we got In Her Blood, that whole series by, uh, I can't remember the writer's name. Ooh, uh, oh, what is it? The First 13 Lives of Harry August, which have you read yet, Shane? First 15 Lives. 15 lives no, I haven't, but it's on my pile. Yeah, no, that is a re- and I reckon that can make an interesting movie. Does it work for cinema, visually? Is there like an opportunity for visuals? There? There's the opportunity for it. I don't think if they adapted it straight, it wouldn't work. Okay. But the sto- way they Shotgun. tell the story is really interesting. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'll just go up. I'll just buy the rights. I, just, I have yeah, money. Well, that's a good kind of a play. Anything else? Anything else to add? Let's, no. get, into no. Let's get into our top, top, five, five, top five adaptations. Um, I'll go first and I'll list them really fast. Um, <laughs> my honourable mentions are Hellboy 2. Because oh, yeah. Hellboy 2 cool. is the least Hellboy of the two movies and it's more of a Guillermo del Toro movie, but it still works. Yeah. Um, the Flintstones. I love the, <laughs> the live-action Flintstones. Uh, Charlie's Angels is great. A yes. lot of these we discussed when we did TVs turned into films. Mm. Yeah. Men from Uncle. Um, I love Matilda, Silent Hill, Blade 2, for the same reasons as Hellboy 2. This is not a top five anymore. No, no, this is my, uh, this is my honorables. Oh, uh, Little Shop of Horrors, The Wizard of Oz, uh, I Zombie, the TV show, I think is really good. Uh, Clue. Mars Attacks, because Mars Attacks is based off a card game. Oh, like, I forgot like that. Trading I cards, finding that and out. it turned into a thing. Uh, and Ouija 2, because yeah. that's based okay. on a, not even a real board game. Uh, but my top five adaptations, <laughs> I have number five is Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Oh, yes, gorgeous. absolutely. Gold. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Uh, number four is Orange is the New Black, the TV show. Oh, well, what was it's, that based on? It's a book, and it's cool. a book of an actual woman's account of being in prison. But what they did is they took the premise... And then they just explored and they just changed all the women she met into all these different kinds of women, black women, trans women, Russian, old women, young women. Um, It's such a great – it used the book as a jumping off point for a TV show because a TV show has to go on for a lot longer than a book ever will. And so they did a really smart thing and it's just a really great – it's a great show if you haven't watched it. Uh, New season will be due out later this year. Um, Number three is the Lego movie. Because yep, they adapted yep. Lego. Good point. Yeah. They adapted Lego and made a movie out of it. <laughs> and they made a movie out of the idea of how people play with Lego and turn that into a thing. And it was so clever. It was so, so only those two guys could have done it. Um, number two is the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Yep. Because that is pretty literal to the source material, but in and of itself, it's a much more cinematic thing. They take a lot of the, a lot of the, the novella that it's based off is the voiceover. And then they make the cinema all the bits in between. It's really, really clever as an adaptation. And then uh, number one is the movie Atonement. Um, I had to actually do an assignment on this. We studied adaptations in film school, and I to- I was the top of my class uh, for <laughs> humble brag. Say, I got, you know humble brag. Um, and I did my assessment on Atonement, so I had to read the book thoroughly and watch the movie. And as an adaptation, it's really good because it t- there are moments in the book that are very literary that are untranslatable like if you were to just do them directly. And so the movie takes those moments and finds a cinematic equivalent of something. They say, oh, well, this was used to express that, so what kind of cinema can we use 
to express that same idea and it's really good as a translation because it's pretty faithful and it changes where it needs to change to make the movie a piece of cinema. So that's my top five. Cool. Uh, Chancellor? I will go for next then. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm going to assume, I'm going to go ahead and assume this is on Josh's list as well, so I'm sorry in advance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Die Hard. You mentioned it's, it earlier, which is why I'm assuming it's, it's an adaptation. Oh, actually, so it's an adaptation, so it is interesting because... It was um, technically a sequel because yes. the guy who wrote the book, he wrote this book that was adapted into a Frank Sinatra movie. Then <laughs> he wanted to make a sequel starring Frank Sinatra. So he wrote a sequel to the book that would want to become a movie and then that ended up becoming Die Hard. Bruce Willis is not 80 years old in that movie. It's a completely <laughs> different character, but the same story. It'd be funny if he was. Oh, it would have been. Um, the next one is The Thing. Uh, John Carpenter, which yep. I think if I didn't put this on here, I would have. Have you myself. read the original, I've like, read the little original. short story? Yeah. So, so good, right? It's so good. And it's such like a, a small, succinct thing. And I love the fact that it's also adapting the the, the previous film. So it's yes, technically yeah, a sequel yeah. to this. Wait, which I haven't put, read this. Is, what's the source material like? Uh, the, 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 so the book like little, is. Is it a book or a novella? It's a novella. Novella. Very yeah. short. Right. Um, so it's more, it, it's, cause like, have you seen the original Howard Hawks one? Like Howard Hawks? Howard? I haven't. I've seen bits and pieces of it. So that was like a big plant monster. Uh, so that was more about like the world of like these people stuck in a small area and the, uh, high tension from that. Whereas the thing had the, the original book had the shape shifting alien, which the new movie has, oh, which the movie has, sorry. And then the new, new movie, which adapts mm-hmm. the uh, original movie as a movie. No, it, is, it adapts the, the other yeah, situation it, that it, it like started. It, 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 it it's adapts. the Rogue One of the thing. No, because it's no, good. It's, it's actually decent. Yeah. yeah, it's not bad. But, In but, terms of what it was looking at. But, but no, because it was the, because you had the original Howard Hawks, then John Carpenter's was a sequel to that, but it was like, oh, but it wasn't a plant, it's a thingy. And then this one was like, oh, I'm remaking this one <laughs> to be a prequel to that one where it's actually an alien. Let's put yeah. the axe in the door. Um, my next one is actually two because it's kind of a gray line. It's both The Nice Guys and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. They're both adaptations from these schlocky. Uh, uh, Are they pulp full fiction. adaptations? No, pop- he gets the rights to them because, like, technically, he didn't have to because he's just pretty much going. I have a mystery. He's writing a story. It's, it's Shane Black's writing a script. He'll go through and read these pulp fiction novels, and he'll find like one bit, and it's like that's the clue I need to bring it all together. So uh, he ends up calling up the granddaughter of the person who wrote it, who he's now friends with, huh. uh, and he gets the rights from her to make the film as an adaptation which is why it's a gray area uh the next one i'll say is the little shop horrors because it was originally a movie that was shot and made in three days and then they adapted that for broadway and then they adapted from broadway as yeah. another movie um and last but definitely not least is the silence of the lambs the silence of the oh, lambs yeah. is the perfect as far as like uh the movie goes as it's an adaptation. It's faithful to the books. It what it cuts out isn't necessary, so it's fine. And it's why I hate Red Dragon so much more. Is because Red Dragon isn't trying to adapt Red Dragon. <laughs> it's trying to be a prequel to Silence of the Lambs. They are both very different stories. The characters are so fundamentally different, and the fact that Red Dragon is literally just oh, remember Silence of the Lambs? Well, hey. Remember the nineties. <laughs> yeah. Remember the eighties. Remember the nineties. But yeah, that's my top five. Go, Josh. Josh. All right, well, I'll start with honorable mentions because there's so much. Uh, like Shane, 
Lego Movie. I'm putting Scott Pilgrim on Honorable Mentions as well, and Jurassic Park and Shawshank Redemption. Uh, all, all those like Jurassic Park's great. It's very different from the movie. Well, the that's book. the thing. I think I love both the book and the film like almost equally because they're both different, but I enjoy both their different tones and styles. So my main list is number five is Psycho. Because it's just yes. based on the yep. cool. murders, like Alfred Hitchcock. What more can you say? Um, Bates Motel is a really interesting. I was going to mention that it? because uh, I started season one and I was like, oh, "This is okay," but apparently it gets better. So yeah. I should yeah. probably try and stick. I with like it. the fact that the Bates Motel is technically an adaptation of the fourth movie that ends up turning because the fourth movie is a prequel. Mm. Yeah, don't ask why Norman Bates is so much older in the prequel. Just go with it. <laughs> sure. Um, and then number four is Arrival because I haven't yeah. read the original source material, but I heard, like, I'm just, when I found out it was based on something, I'm like, oh, this seems interesting and, like, technically it fits. And I love Arrival. Uh, number three, Jaws. Yes. Uh, improves the novel greatly. You want to know, there's a really cool spec out there called, um, there's another bad version of the same uh, thing. It's called uh, The Mirror of Shark City and it's the story about Spielberg <laughs> doing Jaws right, and about okay. all the hell that went on it. Yeah. And it's, I want to, like, I would kill to be able to make that script in a movie. I don't think I'm going to get to, but I would kill to do that because it's a really fun thing. There's another version called um, The Shark Is Not Working and it's a really crappy, wanky version of the same story. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry, continue. Um, and number two is Kick-Ass. Yes, Mark Miller, like Matthew Vaughn, like pre uh, Kingsman, uh, just loved both the source material and the Jane movie. Jane Goldman too is the author. That was their first pair. Up? No, they played yeah, up yeah. first for Stardust. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think the movie took some of the elements of the they cut it. It cut out elements of the graphic novel that I didn't like, like and, the rape scene. Yeah, and like <laughs> the whole thing. Thing with like the girl hating him after he reveals he's not gay. I love that, and I it's like it's, it's hilarious. But I it's such like, a down note. It's <laughs> such a down note. Um, yeah, and number one, like Chancellor, Science of the Lambs, because yep. uh, Thomas Harris, baby, right up in me. And such a good movie. Jonathan Demi, may you rest in peace. What a fantastically directed, acted, scripted, just edited everything movie. It's pure. Rubs the lotion on its skin, or else it gets the hose again. <laughs> How shit was the Hannibal's sequel though? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Ridley Scott. <laughs> Ridley Scott. Just, Good old Ridley yeah. Scott. No, I just no. Fuck Red Dragon. Fuck the Hannibal's. Yeah, no, just like fuck everything. But Science of the Lambs though, and the Hannibal series by Brian Fuller, mm. which I still have yet to see, but I will. It's yeah. on my it's on my pile too. Anyway, that ends our We're done. wonderful topic. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our rant about Cloverfield Paradox. And if you feel the same, why not contact us? We're on Twitter and Instagram at Picture Angels. You can email us with your big theory about why we're wrong about Cloverfield Paradox. At and I mo- will fight you. <laughs> MotionPictureRangers at gmail.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Shane M underscore Anderson. You can also find me on Instagram, but it's really complicated to say my handle. It's 24 frames, but the T is a two. And you use the number four, so it's two twenty four, as in the digital, the, the so number confusing. frames. <laughs> so if you can figure that one out, find me on in, <laughs> find me on Instagram, Josh. Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at that Sundance KD. It's on in all caps, and that's really yeah. Maybe reveal my Instagram later, but yeah, whatever. Chancester, uh, you, you can follow me on Twitter at Chancester, or you can follow me on Instagram at the Chancester. Which oh, wait, was it the other way around? 
I can't no, remember. No, the Chancellor is your Instagram. Good. Um, and yeah. And so, yeah, and you can find this and other many great podcasts at that's not canonproductions.com. So please like and uh, leave a review for us on, on iTunes because we, we want your feedback. We need your validation. Uh, thanks again for listening and we'll see you again next week. Bye. Objectively be bad? Yes. But that doesn't mean we can't learn from it. I'm Alex Smith. And I'm James Keogh. And on our new podcast, My Songs Suck, we talk to writers and musicians who share with us some of their earlier, less good content and reflect on how far they've come. If you want to get in on the fun, head to That's Not Canon Productions or find us on iTunes, Google Play, or whatever podcatcher you use. My songs suck, because everyone makes mistakes. Just make sure you record them. That's Not Kind of Productions podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.